Welcome to Beef and Forage Roundup with host Chantal McRae. This podcast is a production of Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives, created to share information with farmers, producers, and agriculture enthusiasts to showcase the important work that is happening at MBFI. Our podcasts drop on the first and third Wednesday each month. We will be sharing information through interviews with General Manager Mary Jane Orr, project leads for various projects, MBFI team members, speakers from our extension events, industry leaders, and industry suppliers. This podcast will dig deep into on-farm research and field testing practices related to beef cattle and forage production and efficiency and sustainability of practice in the agricultural industry in Manitoba. We will be sharing information on upcoming training and workshops, field and farm demonstration tours, education materials and events at MBFI, as well as producer profiles from around the province, and information on their own trials, challenges, innovation, and results. We encourage you to browse our social media accounts and website for links to more information on projects, upcoming events, and important deadlines. Information on our social accounts and website can be found following the show and in the show notes. As always, we encourage you to email us if you have feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for the show at information at mbfi.ca. Shannon Carvey, the Executive Director at Manitoba 4-H Council, Inc., is a generational 4-H'er. She has been with 4-H since August of 2016, in the role as Club Support Coordinator, and has recently transitioned into the Executive Director role in December of 2021. They are proud to offer over 90 projects that cover topics of interest ranging from foods, sewing, outdoor living, livestock, and so much more. On today's episode, we are talking about a youth program that is very close to my heart and one of which I was a member for many years in my youth. 4-H has so many opportunities for young people and offers great lessons and skill building for those who are able to participate. I'm excited to be talking with Shannon Carvey today, Executive Director of Manitoba 4-H Council, to find out more about the current programs available and all 4-H has to offer. Welcome to the podcast today, Shannon. Thanks for having me, Chantel. Excited to be here. Awesome. Let's start just with a general overview of the 4-H program. For listeners who maybe haven't heard of 4-H before or who have limited exposure to 4-H, how would you describe what 4-H is and who the program is for? 4-H is a youth development program that is 110 years old this year. So long-standing history. Actually, Roland, Manitoba is the birthplace of 4-H in Canada. So Here in Manitoba, we have decades worth of history in 4-H for our youth. Started as a boys and girls club and transpired into the 4-H that it is today, which is a huge program. We offer over 90 projects. So there is a myth. I think a lot of people believe that 4-H is just agriculture. And although I believe that's, you know, the roots of it were a boys and girls club where the members participated in growing crops and some livestock projects, it is turned into so much more than that. And even though each of our projects really links back to agriculture, you can find agriculture in absolutely everything we do, everything we eat, everything we make. But we have so much, so much more than just agriculture. So everything from outdoor living, camping, archery, food, the food series, sewing, crafts, and then, of course, our full gamut of livestock projects, which ranges from beef to equine to small animals, poultry, everything you can think of, 
we can offer a project for members to experience hands-on learning. And 4-H is more than just the project. It's about belonging to a community. And that community is an opportunity to belong to a group of people that learns about parliamentary procedures. Members have the opportunity to hold positions within their club and to do things with their friends and learn something new each year within the 4-H project year. I'm absolutely amazed that there's 90 different projects. I was in 4-H for many, many years, but I had no idea that there was that many options available. So that's really cool to know. Yeah, that is one of the most exciting parts about it because we have something for everyone's interest. That's awesome. You've kind of already explained a little bit of the history, but is there anything else in the history behind 4-H and the evolution of the program that you think would be good for listeners to know? I think one thing that I like about 4-H is that we still hold our traditions and values. Our motto is learn to do by doing. We have a pledge and it's head, heart, health, and hands. And I think those things hold true to what the program started as 110 years ago. But at the same time, some of like our projects have evolved over the years and we're always trying to implement those changes as we revamp projects and rewrite projects and perhaps bring new projects in, you know, we're always looking to advance learning for our members. I can't imagine that the people that started 4-H 110 years ago thought it would be this big and still (laughs) going so strong more than 100 years later. So that's pretty neat. It is. And really, when you think about it, it's like, wow, we're still here. And it's 4-H has grown across the country and 4-H is in, in several countries now. So it really is truly amazing. Can you tell us what the main goals and missions are of 4-H? So our main goals are to provide a safe experiential learning opportunity for members who are youth between the ages of 6 and 25. And you've kind of mentioned some of the different programs that are available, and I don't expect you to list all 90 of them. But is there any other kind of general topics that are different from the ones that you've already mentioned or ones that you want to mention again that are available to members? Yeah, like we have for our teen members that are perhaps, you know, those high school kids that are going to be going out on their own. We have projects like Money Matters, teaches them about budgeting, different things that they might have that, you know, would cost cost money for them in the future. We have car maintenance. There's mechanics, woodworking, feel good, uh, look better. So lots of personal health projects, some different ones that, you know, are smaller projects, but we still have some interest in would be like some of our smaller animal ones, like the rabbit, uh, alpaca, poultry is getting off the ground again. That was kind of a dormant project for a long time. And we, um, we actually have a staff member that's a very avid poultry person. And so she's really taken an interest in getting that project off the ground again. We are working towards the swine project. So when I was a member, I belonged to the Beef and Swine Club in Kenton for a few years and had market hogs. And so that is something that we would like to get going again. We, you know, we feel like there's lots of people that are producing some pork for their own freezers and maybe an opportunity for younger kids to have a smaller animal easier to handle than perhaps, you know, a big market steer. So some of those things, the sheep club is starting to get off the ground again. So lots of those projects that perhaps have been quiet for a while, we're seeing a resurgence of interest in them. So we're really excited about that. 
And I love the fact that 4-H can be for people who have, say, a couple of pigs, but want to be in the project and learn more, or they have a few sheep and they like, it doesn't have to be a huge herd or a big scale operation. And those youth can still be involved in that program and learn. Yes. And that is, I, that is exactly kind of the mindset behind some of that stuff is that you don't have to come from a huge farming background to be involved in 4-H. We do have some members and I was one of those people back 30 years ago that did not grow up on a farm. And we do have lots of people who, who have taken 4-Hers under their wing that have shown an interest in different, different aspects of agriculture that they have taken those members under their wing and allowed them to experience, you know, having a heifer or a market steer and and the ability to learn about animal husbandry and agriculture that way. So we pride ourselves in being diverse and equitable to everyone and inclusive, even though some families may think, oh gosh, I couldn't, my, my kids can't be in 4-H, I don't live on a farm. That is the furthest thing from the truth. We will find someone somewhere, if you're interested in agriculture, to connect you with, to belong to, to the 4-H program. Or maybe there's, you know, another project of some sort that your child might have an interest in. 4-H is absolutely for everyone. What an awesome opportunity too for producers or people who have some animals like a small farmer have that experience to stay involved in the 4-H program even after they've say aged out, but maybe they don't want to be a leader. They have those animals available and they can work with a youth in teaching them some of those skills. You've already mentioned what ages the program was for, but can you give a bit of background on why the age limit was extended? Well, I and this was perhaps before my time as a staff member at 4-H, but I believe there was a time where youth were involved in a lot of different activities, and they still are involved in a lot of different activities. But when 4-H was 8 to 21, I think 4-H as a national organization wondered if they were missing the boat on some people and that there was still opportunity for those older members to be involved in a club in a mentorship position or Perhaps there was those members that were still wanting to expand their knowledge and learn more about different projects. A lot of those 21 to 25-year-old members or even 18 to 25-year-old members really take on that mentorship role within their clubs. And it also allowed the opportunity for university or college age members to still belong to uh, 4-H groups. So there is a club at the University of Manitoba. So the U of M Young Leaders Club is very active and has a great membership. So it still is allowing them to be part of 4-H all the way through their post-secondary career. And I think lowering the age to six, I think there was lots of younger siblings that were interested in 4-H. They then developed the Cloverbud program. So there's a whole project series just for Cloverbud members, which are six to eight-year-olds. And really, it, it's a lot of little projects in one project for the Cloverbud. So they kind of get a little taste of everything there is to offer, from foods to crafts to outdoor living just kind of like a broad spectrum in Brandon there is an actual clover bud club so a club that's dedicated to that specific age group and they have a phenomenal following they started with a handful of kids and I think they were at 30 last year so there is certainly a tremendous amount of interest from youth of that age range for sure I didn't realize that there was a club in Brandon just for Mm -hmm. for those little guys so that's good to know What roles or responsibilities are available to members that provide life skill development at a club regional or provincial level? Okay, so we we really take pride in the fact that our members really are the core of our 4-H clubs. So we do have 
leaders, head leaders that help run projects and and educate our members in those specific projects and and mentor our members through their club meetings. But our members essentially run their clubs. So they take on those parliamentary roles within their clubs. So the members have the opportunity to be the president, to be the vice president, the secretary, the treasurer. So they learn about about a lot of things, responsibility, making decisions, voting on things. And I think by allowing those members the opportunity to take ownership of their club really teaches them a tremendous amount of responsibility and respect of their fellow members and their communities. You can belong to a lot of things, but not a lot of groups are are member-led and with those members being youth. So I think that is one of the huge leg ups that 4-H has is that it, that it does give our members the opportunity to create their own direction of where they're going and what they're doing. Definitely. There's a lot of parent led or adult led programs for youth, but there's not a lot of opportunities where the youth actually get to be the one in the position and doing the work and practicing those skills. And that leads us really well into the next question, which is what opportunities exist through 4-H to foster the development of professionals entering the workforce? Oh, gosh, this is a huge one. Employers tell us every day that when they see 4-H on a resume, those resumes go to the top of their pile. And the reason being is that there's an expectation that 4-H members have a skill set that a lot of other youth don't have. And part of that is the responsibility and the hard work and the expectation that those members will will know how to conduct themselves in a group setting. Those members know how to speak in front of a group of people. Those members know how to present a plan and a program, which is fostered through our communications program. So I think in that sense, we are setting our members up for success by allowing them to be the captains of their own ships. The experiential hands-on learning is also another huge opportunity for our members to really be employable members of society in the sense that, you know, they learn how to problem solve. They know how to follow instructions. They know how to complete a project. And then they go ahead and present that project, whether it be a livestock project or foods project or woodworking or whatnot. And oftentimes, um, you know, some clubs don't have a scored achievement, but a lot of times projects are scored and those members receive constructive feedback, which is another exceptional uh, opportunity that not every group has, you know, the ability to do that. So being able to receive that constructive criticism can certainly enhance people's ability to continue to do better and more. As a past employer, that's definitely something that, that I thought about too, is when we saw a resume that had 4-H listed on it or volunteering with 4-H, that was one that we definitely took a closer look at. You mentioned the communications program. Can you tell me what the public speaking programs are that are offered through 4-H and what these opportunities offer to members, as well as how this is important or useful for life skills from a young age and for future career development? So our communications program uh, is one that is longstanding. I don't honestly know how long 4-H has been doing the communications program, but it's longer than I have been in 4-H. Each member is uh, welcome to participate in communications, which could be a speech or a visual presentation. So a a hands-on presentation to their club members at the club level, and they will have a competition and then 
those top placing communication speeches will then move on to the next level, which is often an area level. So it's a group of members that comes from different clubs within that region. And then the top participants from that area competition will then move on to the provincial competition which will encompass competitors from each area council. So we have 10 area councils in the province of Manitoba. So they would be competing from the winners of each area competition at that provincial level. And it's really interesting to watch our members excel from the time, you know, they're clover buds and pretty shy and nervous into those senior members who are confidently delivering their speeches and talking about topics that are worldly and doing research and really just investing themselves into that skill set of, of being able to deliver a presentation to a group of people and then be adjudicated on it. And I think that really speaks as far as when, when they get into that post-secondary age group, you know, those, those members, if they have to give a presentation to their peers or to, to their educators, our 4-H members stand out in that setting because they have so much experience with presenting in a public manner. I did public speaking for several years through 4-H and the amount of doors that it opened for me career-wise has been amazing as far as being able to offer workshops and speak at conferences to do things like this podcast. It's just such a neat program for youth to be involved in and it is hard at the beginning and it often remains hard all the way through, but it's such an important skill to learn. Even just the ability to communicate one-on-one with peers or with an adult on a different level. I think I think our communication and our program really allow our members to excel in that. It helps them through the interview processes. It helps, you know, just that ability and learning those skills to communicate directly face-to-face is something that we can really boast about. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, for sure that one-on-one and like you mentioned, the interviews that people are going to have throughout their life. That's a really great skill to have. MBFI has hired a number of 4-H youth. What qualities or skills would you say are generally attributed to 4-H members and why does involvement in 4-H programming look so good on a resume? Well, I think, and we've talked a little bit about this, I think the responsibility, community, having those community values, volunteerism, communication skills, just general old school down home values, I think is something that our program really offers to members that translate into excellent skills when you're somebody's looking to hire our members. And that leads really well into our next question, because we're kind of talking about those professional skills and entering the workforce. So what resources are available to support 4-H members in getting career ready? I don't want to be boastful, but I think everything we do prepares our members to be career ready. But we are working on a few things. So we do have a couple of provincial programs that we are running. Senior member event, we do some workshops with that weekend event for our members, and it really is preparing them for the future. And some of that includes, you know, some public speaking, some communication, some workshops. And very recently, we have started a new program is shadowed after a program that was going on in BC, but it's called the Agricure Quest. And so we spent four days on a bus tour across southern Manitoba and visited several different agriculture businesses and manufacturing facilities. And we actually 
took the opportunity to mock interview with each of our members and our sponsors actually conducted those interviews and we were really, really pleased with the response we had from those sponsors. You know, there was comments like, if this kid was 18, I would hire him today. And, you know, just a few of those things that we try to do on a provincial level to offer our senior members just that little bit of a leg up. I think there's there's so much along the way that all of our members from ages six all the way through to 25 that we do at a club level and at area council level, really that start to shape those employable youth for sure. That bus tour sounds like such an interesting opportunity and like it would be so much fun. It was really great. I had pretty high expectations. It was something that uh, we had seen at a national conference. And as a staff member, a club support coordinator came back from that conference and was like, I really want to do this. Then, of course, COVID hit. So it was on the back burner. So we were able to do that in October and it far exceeded uh, any expectations I had. We took 20 kids and it was absolutely phenomenal. Looking at some of the specific programs that are offered, can you tell me more about what the 4-H at home program is? Well, 4-H at home really kind of started right at COVID time is when we really implemented that. 4-H Canada had been offering a few different little projects, um, you know, science things at home, little projects that they had offered nationally. And then once 2020 hit, we really delved into that, started offering some virtual programming, as well as through COVID, we would post projects at home on our website. So we still have some of those that are on offer. So members or non-members can participate in projects at home. We just kind of keep that as a longstanding option on our website for anyone who's interested. So, you know, our hope is that perhaps somebody that's looking for something for their kids to get involved in, uh, they can get a little taste of it through those projects at home. And then certainly we, we are still working through some virtual programming. We have some things going on that our members have still requested that we complete virtually just because of convenience and they've really enjoyed it. Our food series is one of those and we've teamed up with commodity groups across the province to offer some virtual food series programs. So they do a different commodity each week and learn how to cook with that commodity. And then we also are offering ice fishing, uh, which was new last year. And they have some excited members that are eager to do that this year. They're into about their third week this week. Babysitting is also another very popular virtual series one. And we found lots of kids that are of babysitting age really wanted to take that project, but there wasn't always a leader in their community that could do that for them. So by offering it virtually, we were, we were able to offer that to members across the province. We have a certified babysitting instructors that happen to be a leader of a club. And so they have graciously given their time to offer that program virtually to, to our members across the province. So we've really leaned on that virtual programming through COVID. We still have people who are looking for that and we're, we're happy to offer that to them. If COVID did anything positively, it really taught us all how to use Zoom and connected us through that time. So it was good. I hadn't really thought about about the 4-H programming and what happened with all of those programs during those couple of years of COVID. So it is good to know that there's things that were positive that came out of it and things that can continue to be offered. Yeah. And we, uh, we created a club called the Keystone Club through COVID and we still, we have members that join that. So kids that live in a community that there isn't a club in, we have a Keystone Club and they join that and they can participate virtually or they could do a project with their parents on their own. But it certainly filled a gap that we needed to fill. What is Careers on the Grow? 
Um, Careers on the Grow is a national program offered by 4-H Canada. And so it's an opportunity for mentorship. And really, it is facilitated completely by 4-H Canada. There's lots of things that 4-H Canada facilitates. And we, uh, you know, we're happy to promote and whatnot. But we don't specifically have, you know, a lot to do with the immediate facilitation of that programming. So uh, 4-H Canada does it. We have had lots of members from Manitoba participate in the past. Last year, we had a member that traveled to Alberta and did an internship for the summer and very much enjoyed the program. And there is lots to be learned. And it's it's really a great opportunity for members to be linked with a mentor that is in a field of interest for them. What types of conferences, travel, or exchanges are available to 4-H members? Our 4-H members belong to a club. And then an area council is made up of several clubs within that geographical area. Area councils often will put on camps, different one-day activity, workshops, a few different things like that. So a member would have the opportunity to participate at an area level. So they would have the opportunity to meet uh, members from within their region. And then from area council level, they would be able to move up and participate at a provincial level. So we offer provincial camps and conferences for members. We have intermediate camp. As soon as members turn 12, intermediate age, they can start participating at provincial events. So they would be able to come to intermediate camp. And then once they were 15 to 17 year olds, there would be the opportunity to participate at senior member conference. And then we would move into the opportunity. So AgriCareQuest will become an annual conference that our members are able to participate in. Pre-COVID, we had the opportunity for intermediate members to travel to Alberta and spend a week at the Alberta Intermediate Camp. Now, since COVID, we haven't got going again, but I believe there's some discussions and we're hoping that relationship will build again now that everything's kind of back to normal. And we will have intermediate members able to travel there. And then there is national conferences. So there is opportunity for senior members to travel to Citizenship Congress and Members Forum. So those are all national conferences that are offered to senior members. And then there is some certainly some other national travel opportunities, kind of just depending on what what is going on. We have sent two members in the past to the Global Youth Institute Conference, which is a conference that happens in Des Moines, Iowa. And really, it's about food security across the world. And there's members that participate there from all of the states. And I believe there was a couple of their provinces that were sending members. Perhaps Saskatchewan and us were were kind of a constant. But uh, we have members who have gone to that conference. And it has been a life-changing experience for them. They're given a project and they have to find a solution to food security in another country. Super interesting and a lot of work, but very, very rewarding. That sounds awesome. That should be offered to adults. Yeah. <laughs> I want the opportunity to do that. One. 4-H offers members different scholarship and award opportunities. Can you share a little bit more about those programs? We do. So this is something that's exciting. And I don't know if everybody knows this either, but Manitoba 4-H Council offers 10 $1,000 scholarships each year. We also facilitate some other scholarship opportunities. Manitoba Pork offers a scholarship to 4-H members. There is also the Schellenberg Scholarship, which is a, a really great scholarship. And all of this, all of our scholarship information is available on our website. And then we are also shepherding a scholarship award through the Department of Agriculture. And it is the Leaders of Tomorrow Scholarship, which is 
really exciting. So we're into our third year of that scholarship and it is one $12,500 scholarship and three $10,000 scholarships. And this scholarship is a little bit unique in the fact that it is open to current or former 4-H members. So each year that we, we have accepted applications, we have had former 4-H members. So 4-H alumni that is still going through their post-secondary education or former 4-Hers that have been out in the world and decided to go back and expand their education have applied for this scholarship. So that is one that is unique and interesting and really a great opportunity for 4-H members uh, to apply. That's amazing. Just the amount of money that those scholarships are Mm -hmm. in total that are being given out every year to members is, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that not everybody looks into that or sees that. So it's something that is available and everyone should be applying. That's really good information to share. How many clubs are in operation currently in Manitoba? Well, pre-COVID, we were around 135 to 40 clubs. We certainly saw a decrease in that through COVID. We're in our build back right now, and we're probably hovering around 110, 115 clubs right now. We still have clubs reorganizing. Uh, We don't have a hard date when a club needs to get organized by. So that kind of happens all year long. Um, Traditionally, our 4-H year is September 1st through August 31st but we do have clubs that organize throughout the year. And we have pre-COVID, we were just hovering under 2,000 members. And our goal for this first build back year was 1,500. And we have exceeded that number now. We're at 1,671 members as of this week. So we're, we're super excited about that. It's so great to hear that now that clubs can be back together and people can be meeting that those clubs are coming back and that there's so many members that are returning. Is there a list of all of the existing clubs in Manitoba? And if so, where can listeners go to find that information for both Manitoba and Canada? There is a listing of communities with which clubs exist in on our website. Don't necessarily have the club name on there because the club name doesn't always correspond with a town name. So we do have a listing of the communities within which there are clubs. People can check that out. We usually get, you know, a handful of new clubs each year. So, you know, sometimes our website isn't exactly up to date. So I think if people are interested in joining a club or finding out if there's club in their community or a nearby community, the best thing is to call the office and we can connect you with our club support coordinators and they'll they'll get you connected with a club in your closest proximity. Or we have lots of people who belong to a club that maybe isn't as close, but has the project base that their kids are interested in. So... And do you mind sharing what the the phone number is for the office? And then I can add it in here as well as the show notes. You bet. So we have uh, we have just moved to a new office space on 658 10th Street, Unit A in Brandon. And our new phone number is 204-726-1914. And our website is www.4h.mb.ca. If listeners want to form a club in their area, because there isn't already one existing or there isn't the project they're looking for, how would they go about doing that? And what do they need to do to form a club? Well, to have a club in your community, you just need two families. So there isn't a minimum amount of members, but two families, you would assume the minimum amount of kids they could have is two. 
And of course, we hope that they have more, but, but as long as there's two families, a club needs a head leader. And then there is some screening protocol and training that needs to be done through 4-H Canada. So it's, you know, some criminal record checks and whatnot, and then some training that goes along with that. And then uh, really, that is all you need, a place to meet and some members, and you could get started. And we have had that exact scenario. You know, there isn't a club that, that maybe is in their region, or there is a beef club and their kids want to be involved in multi-purpose, and, and we are happy to help people in the community get a club started no matter what their interest is. I was thinking that there was a minimum number that was much higher than two. Did there used to be a minimum? I think, I think there used to be prior to my time working at 4-H. As long as I've been here, it's just been as long as you have two families and, and then you can get started. As we move towards wrapping up, are there any new or exciting things on the horizon for 4-H Manitoba or in Canada? Well, there is one exciting thing, and I am actually personally super jazzed up about this, but well, a couple of things. We are going to be hosting our first rally on May the 13th in Brandon at the Keystone Center. And I don't know, did you participate in rally when you were a kid? I did. Yeah. So there's a whole generation of people who don't know what it is, which I also participated in rally and absolutely loved it. So it's kind of been a personal mission of mine to bring back the rally. So we're going to have equine workshops and some beef workshops. We actually have Kirk Steerwalt coming to do a clinic with the beef kids at the rally. And uh, we're going to have, we have several multi-purpose workshops lined up. We're going to have some small animal workshops. So some sheep, alpaca, poultry, and hopefully swine. So we're going to be able to offer that information to our members. And the members will be able to pick beef will be focused on their clinic. Equine likely will be focused on their clinicians and workshops as well. But the multi-purpose kids are going to be able to choose two workshops that they want to go to. So they'll go to one in the morning, one in the afternoon. When I was a kid, we did that. I learned how to drive heavy horses, I think, one day. And I think I did tie-dye. And then we're also going to have a parade. So that was a big thing when I was a kid. Each club participated in the parade and marched. So we're really excited about that. And then the opportunity to hopefully uh, encourage alumni to come to our rally and have those same feelings and maybe create and stir some interest in getting involved in 4-H again, whether it be as a leader or some mentorship roles within the province. So that is one thing that we're super excited about. And we also are in planning stages of a fundraising dinner, which will happen in November. Our goal with that is to create awareness about 4-H. We talk to a lot of people that say, oh gosh, I was in 4-H like 50 years ago, but I didn't even know it was a thing anymore. So really just trying to create awareness and create some connections within the province of Manitoba and maybe highlight the program to a lot of folks that either don't know about 4-H at all or really weren't aware that it was still going on. Those are a couple of things that we're excited about moving forward into this 2023 year. I'm so excited that Rally is coming back. If you could summarize the overall benefits that 4-H offers members in a couple of sentences, what would you say? Oh, gosh. I feel like 4-H is a place of belonging and it's a place for youth to come together and I feel like adults as well, leaders, to really just be themselves. There are no expectations. There are no prerequisites to belong to 4-H and I think that alone makes 4-H such a valuable organization and those are the things, I guess, that are my takeaways from it. 
and if I could encourage anyone who's thinking about joining 4-H or wishing that their their children belong to 4-H, those are the things that I would want them to know is that 4-H is a welcoming for everyone organization where you will feel welcome. And it doesn't matter what your skill set is. We have something for you. We have something that you will succeed at. There's so much power in, especially in youth, but throughout all of your life in belonging to something with people who have the same beliefs and the same values and the same interests as you. And I think that, like you said, is one of the really great things about the 4-H program is youth can go and they can be with people who enjoy and understand or want to find out more about the same things as they do. And like you said, a beautiful spot to go and and feel like you do belong. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about the 4-H program before we wrap up today? I don't know. I would just welcome anyone listening that if you have the slightest inkling that you would like to either as an alumni get involved in the program again, uh, we have a spot for you. We can connect you with a club in your community. We would be happy to have you on a provincial level each year, an election at our board level. We would be happy to have you as a volunteer at a provincial event. We would just encourage anyone to get involved with 4-H in your community or across the province. And we've already gone over some of that contact information, but if listeners want to find out more about 4-H programs, where can they go or who can they contact? Checking out our website is a great start. We also have social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So you'll find lots of information there about different activities that are happening across the province. We try to share some things that are happening in areas across the provinces in addition to our provincial events. But by all means, we have two dedicated staff to club support. So by all means, call the office and we will get you connected to a club. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today to share all about the 4-H program. I hope that there's listeners out there who are interested in volunteering or helping out or who have children or grandchildren who would be interested in the program and that this will give them a bit of information about what it is and why it's so valuable and kind of where they can go in order to become involved. So just thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking me, Chantal. I was very, very excited about this opportunity. 4-H means the world to me and I am very lucky to be working in the provincial office. And so I very much appreciate the chance to talk about it for sure. You can tell how passionate you are and it's great. We wanted to let listeners know that this episode was prepared and recorded in January of 2023, as I'm taking a short leave from MBFI. Because of this, some of the conversations may seem like they are relating to past information or slightly out of context with the current time. We will resume regular recordings in the summer of 2023. Thank you for your patience. The research programs and daily operations at MBFI would not be possible without funding from the province of Manitoba, Government of Canada, and Canadian Agricultural Partnership, as well as partnership with Manitoba Agriculture, Manitoba Beef Producers, Ducks Unlimited Canada, and the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beef and Forage Roundup. For more information on the on-farm projects or upcoming extension events, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MB Beef and Forage.
our full project reports and more information about MBFI, please visit our website, mbfi.ca. If you have feedback on the show, questions about content, are interested in becoming a project supporter, or want to submit a proposal for a research project topic, please email information at mbfi.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an upcoming episode. We've got lots to share.